Hey guys, before we start the pod, wanted to give some content notice to our listeners. For those unfamiliar with Heather's The Movie or Musical, there are a lot of troublesome topics, including sexual assault, disordered eating, murders, and lots of discussion about suicide. We wanted to give you a heads up so you can please use discretion in choosing whether to listen, as well as remind you there are myriad resources out there. In the U.S., there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. And there's even a Lifeline Crisis Chat service for those who prefer online text-based communications. Let's work on being kind to ourselves and each other. We care about you. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Everything That's Wrong with Tracy and Reagan. I'm Tracy Middlebrook. And I'm Reagan Middlebrook. We are sisters and enthusiastic observers of media, art, politics, and the world in general. But sometimes things are the worst, and we have opinions about it. So today, we're going to talk about everything that's wrong with Heather's, the 1989 movie. I know uh, if you're familiar with our catalog, you may know that usually we rip adaptations to shreds. However, the Heather's the Musical adaptation that came out has actually highlighted some things that are very wrong in the original film. Right. And we rag on adaptations a lot. But I kind of wanted to do this really more as a celebration of the adaptation over the original. I know that's what she said. And then I was like, that's not what the name of our podcast is. That's not what we're supposed to talk about here. We are our own creators so we can make our own. I don't know. The world is so negative. And well, I do. I mean, you'll hear. We're probably going to blabber for another hour like we always do about all the things wrong with the movie. But I think mostly... Rather than what's wrong with the movie, I'm going to be like, these are the things that are better in the play. Cool. Cool. So, you have something to say? Well, I did. I had a whole intro about adaptations, but you <laughs> cut me off after one sentence. <laughs> so now that's the one bit of overflow I had was this okay. sort of like meta thought about adaptations that's gone. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if you're not familiar with it, Heather's the Musical is a thing. I love it so, so much. So, you know, I've got a fond nostalgia for the movie, as as I think most people do, right? It's a huge part of pop culture. I loved it as a cult classic in high school, but I hadn't seen it in over a decade when my pal Joseph gave me the cast recording to Heather's the Musical, which I loved. And it was quite a shock when I watched the movie after having kind of memorized the musical, to see how many changes the musical had made. Because the play is so true to the spirit of the film, and because it had been at least a decade since I'd watched the film, I'd thought that it was really kind of a truthful beat-by-beat recreation. But instead, you know, they update the movie, giving it depth, widening the story, and allowing for a lot more character development. So, uh, did you watch the movie before you had seen the play? I mean, like, when you, after you got the soundtrack... Did you then see the play before rewatching the movie? No. No, I, I, I listened to the soundtrack a bunch on repeat for a few months, and then it was on streaming on Netflix, so I watched Heather's. Okay. So yeah, I know you tried to make me listen to the soundtrack, and I was not into it at all. And then we went and saw it, and it was really good. So 
don't know. Just saying something. Sometimes you need to see the show before the cast recording hits you. Let's do an overview of the plot. Okay, go for it. Cool. So, in the movie, there's this girl. <laughs> and she's friends with these popular girls whose three, all three of their names are Heather. And she's not very happy in her life or with her friends. And then there's, like, mysterious loner bad boy who joins her school and is young Christian Slater. So he's, like, super dreamy. And she's like, I want that dreamy boy. And, and then he's... they hook up, but he's, like, a sociopath. You're fucking psychotic. And so he murders her friend, and then he murders a couple other people, and she kind of loses it, like you would. And then he tries to blow up the whole school, and she stops him, and then he dies. And it's, I mean, it was really bold for the time, and, like, you didn't get teen movies like that. Well, I was just reading an article recently by Molly Ringwald talking about John Hughes and just how, like, teen movies weren't a thing before him anyway. And so they were figuring out this whole genre, and no one had done anything like this. And and I think that's why... And this is, like, a... Yeah, like the anti-John Hughes movie, right? So this is for all the weirdos who are, like, looking at Pretty in Pink and these, like, that vision of what society is, and that doesn't resonate with them, right? So they go to this movie. I mean, it's a high school full of, of bullying and eating disorders and sexual assault and nihilistic violence (laughs) as kind of the solution but maybe they took it too far you know yeah as just being the anti-john hughes yeah but it's not i mean i watched it and liked it when i was in high school but i mean also like the 80s before you had like a ton of school shootings every other week like the homecoming queen's got a gun song by julie brown was like funny because that's not something that had ever happened right So, like, James Dean, who's the loner outsider boy, pulls a gun at school on somebody and doesn't, like, shoot them, but just, that's just to show, like, what a rebel he is. And everyone's like, is he going to get expelled? No, he'll just get suspended. Like, it was just blanks or whatever. And it's, like, imagining that, like, watching that in today's world is, like, super tone deaf. Yeah. So, when I was looking up stuff about this, I found loads of Tumblr and Pinterest pages where teens were basically talking about why they thought that the musical version of JD was more swoon worthy. And I was really impressed and thought that said a lot about the teen's emotional intelligence because young Christian Slater is hard to beat (laughs) for swoon worthiness. But his character in the movie is never caring or empathetic. We don't even really see him sad or wounded. He's just this nihilistic, dispassionate shell looking to end the world. So I was just happy browsing that these teens were preferring the musical JD, who tries to protect Veronica from his awful dad rather than just sitting on the couch. I mean, he's still problematic as a love interest, as he's a murderer, and his moral compass is kind of non-existent, but he's more relatable. Right, and like the musical JD, like we'll do maybe a brief recap of that as well, but like he, all the awful things that he does, he does to protect Veronica and this vision he has for the world with the two of them in it. And in the movie, he does these awful things because he is a serial killer Mm -hmm. and he doesn't care about anyone else and no one else is real. Like, when Veronica is, like, freaking out after they have... I mean, she's like a bystander. She doesn't really understand that this is what's going to happen, but she still feels party to these murders that have happened. Um, And so after they murder the two jocks, she's, like, in the car and, like, 
takes a cigarette lighter and like burns it into her hand and JD just like lights his cigarette from it. Yeah. The the movie JD is um an abusive shit. Yeah. And it's really upsetting. Whereas the musical version has that like he's wounded and damaged and maybe my love can save him thing. Your love can't save him. No, not at all. But it's a more interesting plot and and I guess <laughs> both of them are bad, but I guess I would rather someone <laughs> be going after someone who still has shreds of humanity and reasons for being awful? I don't know. The movie version is not a person with emotions or feelings or someone you could ever see a future with. And I think it's that it's that glimpse of the future or a possible alternate ending in the musical that Veronica sees that makes the ending tragic when JD dies because there was something to mourn. There could yeah. have been something more. I mean, there's a whole song, Can't We Be 17, of basically like, hey, let's stop murdering people yeah, and just there's... be teenagers who date. And he says uh, yes initially and then can't keep to that. Yeah. But the movie version never says yes. He only wants to murder people. Yes. Um. So just going back to like not connecting with the soundtrack, I know, but I'm calling them soundtracks. You can't change me. Um <laughs> Before I had seen the show, the first show that we saw was the high school version. They came out with this, like, Heather's the Musical 101 version, which cleans up some of the language so that teenagers can perform it more easily in their schools, right? So, like, we have a lot of, like, themes and messages that we think would really resonate with this audience. Um, and so the first production that we saw was that version. And it was actually a mod. We'll get into it later. It was a modified version in between. Because oh, that I version see. we saw still had a lot of stuff that's cut from the official high school I version. See. It did seem pretty raunchy. I was like, how is this the high school version? Yeah, it's uh, just anyway, not as raunchy as the musical. The leads in that, you could really see, like, they had good chemistry, not just, like, romantic, but just, like, interpersonal chemistry. Like, before they've started murdering a bunch of people, you know, or even after the first murder, they're just, like, you see them at the assembly and they're just, like, joking around and, like, really being into each other. And it just seemed like that, like, sweet high school romance. Like, they liked each other versus yes. the movie relationship where... They fell into each other, but there isn't a connection there. Okay, so going to the movie versus the musical, I really like that in the musical you get to see Veronica go on a journey from a nerd, unpopular kid into being a part of one of the Heathers. And you get to see her emotions around it, watching her joy, and then you know, the moral quandary. It's just a lot more satisfying with all of the characters, whereas the movie just starts with her already in this role. And that, the introduction of Martha Dunstock, it's, is shockingly better in the musical. Because she gets to be a real person rather than an object. I don't even think she really has any lines in the movies. She's basically just a thing useful for bullying and for teaching all of us a lesson. So the play merges the character of Martha with this other character, Betty, who was Veronica's nerdy childhood friend who she's kind of moved past, but will still occasionally say nice things to in the hallway. I think that's such an effective, great adaptation. In the movie, when the Heathers tell her to forge a note to try to trick Martha, Veronica says, Shit, Heather, I don't have anything against Martha Dunstock. You don't have anything for her either. Come on, it'll be very. And Veronica kind of just shrugs and does the note, as opposed to it's the first big like character challenge of this is the cost of being in the popular group. Mm -hmm. So here's my general question to you, Reagan. Part of it... They make a big deal that Veronica's excellent at forgeries. And so it's really helpful that she can forge Ram Sweeney, the quarterback's handwriting. How does Martha know Ram's handwriting well enough to know 
that it needs to be a forgery. I think that makes sense, especially like high school level crush or obsession. Maybe she graded his math paper one time when you're like past the papers behind you or something like she would know his handwriting. In the the musical, yes, they established that. In the movie, not at all. In the movie, she's like forge Rand's handwriting and uh, make a steamy love note that they just leave on her tray. Mm -hmm. And she reads it and is kind of confused. And then she walks over to the table and the football players laugh at her that she would, you know, even come approach and talk to them. They don't establish at all that she has a previous relationship, that they were kindergarten friends. Oh, I see. I mean, who knows? So I just was like... They're just introducing this character trait that Veronica knows how to forge things. That was all. I just was like, you wouldn't need to forge. Anyone could have written that note. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about when JD pulls the gun in the cafeteria versus in the musical, it's a choreographed fight scene, which I think is a lot of fun because they pause and slow down the action while Veronica sings this great song. Hey... Mr. No Name Kid, so might you be, and could you fight for me, and hey, could you face the crowd, could you be seen with me, and still act proud? (laughs) Where she admits that she should be repulsed by the violence, but she kind of really likes the way this kid moves. Whoa, you can punch real good. You've lasted longer than I thought you would. So, hey, Mr. No Name Kid, if some night you're free, wanna fight for me? Well, now I'm looking at my notes. Okay. Yeah, okay, so um, another thing that the musical gets right that the movie doesn't, just, like, to maybe give an overarching plot for the musical, right? Like uh, like you were saying, Veronica starts out as one of the unpopular kids, and her best friend, she's still best friends with, is uh, Martha Dunstock, and then she seizes the opportunity to join the popular clique and has to make sacrifices to stay in the popular clique. She's a character with agency who like wants things and then goes after them and that's makes her a more interesting character right like additionally when she gets into a fight with the lead heather at a party and she thinks that her social life is over she goes and hunts down jd who she hasn't really interacted with yet and like gets it on with him sorry but i really had to wake you see i decided i must ride you till i The worst thing that could happen to her has happened to her, so why not take the risk of doing the thing that she would want to do anyways, right? Yeah, I love the musical version of that. You know, in the movie, JD just shows up randomly climbing through Veronica's right. window. Creepy as shit. What, you know, he it gets to say, Dreadful etiquette, I apologize. And then they play strip croquet. But in the play, like, it's so sex positive. Veronica's fearful of Heather destroying her high school life on, on Monday, and she doesn't know what she's going to do, and then she notices it's JD's house, and she's like, cool, this is a great way to spend my last hours of freedom. And she climbs through the window, propositions him in the hilarious song where she is claiming her sexual power and he's all into it. Yeah, and, like, having them both be sort of aggressively not normal because she does like she has interacted with him a few times they've had a few moments but like they 
aren't really friends. Like, he doesn't know how she knows where his house is. And it's definitely a creepy move to, like, climb in somebody's window regardless of who's doing it, right? But having them both be aggressively not normal adds believability to their relationship, I think, as opposed to just one of them. I mean, not like that's not believable, but anyways, I liked it better. Yeah, no, I mean, I liked it a lot better. And she's like, I'm hot and pissed and on the pill. Let's do this. And his character enthusiastically consents. Let's call you know the drill. I'm hot and pissed and on the pill. And, and they, you know, I mean, when you say they hadn't interacted much, I mean, they had the, the famous convenience store interaction, which, again, I guess just fundamentally because the musical provides character depth and makes all the characters more sympathetic. You finally get some deep emotional insights into JD's world in the musical version. In the movie, he's just like, hey, I like off-brand Slurpees. No, my life's not perfect. I don't really like my friends. Yeah, I, uh, I don't really like your friends either. It's just like, there are people I work with and our job is being popular and shit. You know, in the musical, this is where you start seeing some scar tissue from JD, rather than just being a cute flirt. I also think it's a really darkly hilarious way to introduce that his mom is dead. And that, which I don't think happens that early in the movie. She's like, does your mommy know you eat all that snack food? And he's like, not anymore. <laughs> and then he starts sharing about what's happened since mom's no longer alive. When mom was alive, we lived halfway normal. Now it's just me and my dad, we're less formal. I learned to cook pasta, I learned to pay rent. Learned the world doesn't owe you a cent. And so you see you know, what started to break him. Yeah. The story is, the story that JD tells is that his mom, you know, he last time he saw her was like waving out the window of this library two minutes before the building exploded. And his dad does demolitions. And it is implied that she knew the building was about to explode and went in there as a way of committing suicide. But honestly, his dad is such a fucking crazy person that I always just assumed that his dad killed her. Like, didn't she didn't know that the building was going to explode. That's oh, not in the text at all. This no, has always been my interpretation. Okay. Because her dad is wackadoodle. He, yeah, he is. That's a bold leap, though. To be like, oh, his dad's a murderer. I mean, JD's a murderer. It's not that bold to believe. Well, yeah, no. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's there at all. But, um, you know, because the musical later on when she's having the line where she's trying to talk him off the metaphorical ledge of murdering people. She's like, I wish your mom had been stronger and could have stayed around longer. Like, yeah. and you would have had some loving influence in your life to keep you from the dark side. So in the movie, the lead Heather is doing Veronica a favor by getting her into this college party. And I just thought it was effectively unglamorous and gross. The guys are looking to just paw all over these high school girls. And then Veronica commits the unforgivable of being too drunk and puking on Heather. Whereas the musical party scene is a house party gone awry. Maybe not even gone awry. Gone away a high school epic house party goes. But Veronica eventually stands up to the Heathers who are looking to further mock her former best friend Martha. And they've decorated the their rival's mascot, which is a pig, to look like Martha. And they're going to play pinata with it as a big joke on her. And Veronica steps up to stop it. And that's the unforgivable sin, which is a little more, again, musical Veronica gets to be more noble. There's more like... Rather than just she meaningful. was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just that she was drunk. She had also like not fooled around with that guy that Heather had hooked her up with at the college party, right? So Heather's like, you made me look bad. And then Veronica pukes on her shoes. So that's still like, 
a believable reason, but having it be, again, like, a her choosing between her popularity and her friend, or her former friend, makes it more meaningful to her character. Yeah, I mean, I did appreciate that the movie, you know, her character has a little bit... You know, I have a little prepared speech I tell my suitor when he wants more than I'd like to give him. Gee, Blank, I had a really nice... See the speeches from Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. You don't deserve my fucking speech. I mean, it was sort of like, well, that's something 80s movie. So after JD and Veronica hook up, one of the big changes is the motivation of why they're going to visit Heather the next morning. In the movie, Veronica, who is a much less sympathetic and more culpable character, she just wants to go pull a prank on her and make her drink something gross so that she'll throw up in retribution. And JD tags along with that. In the musical, post-coital bliss in the next morning, she's like, oh crap, I have to go beg for forgiveness and try to make this right. And she is legit making a prairie oyster hangover cure and then accidentally grabs the wrong mug. Well, in the in the movie, uh, she is going there to beg forgiveness also. I don't yeah, think she says it. It's not. It is because when she, I just watched the movie, when she gives her the cup uh, and the, the Heather is like, if you do this for me, maybe I'll consider forgiving you. And then they give her the cup and she's like, no. Right. They say that, but that's not said at all to get there. She says to JD, it's never a need to beg. It's just, oh, she's a terrible person. And JD's like, she is. We should do something about it. And Veronica's like, yeah. No, I mean, like that. I have notes about that. So like in the movie, movie JD, like the first time that they have sex out of nowhere, just says Heather Chandler is one bitch that deserves to die. They haven't been talking about her as far as we know. That's not in the movie. She's just, we've just seen her be stuck up. Like, she hasn't been terrible. JD's just a sociopath. And so then they go over there. But what I did think was interesting, because, like, watching the play, you see JD suggest mixing her this drink that has Drano in it. And it's not clear if this, like, murdering people thing is, like, a prank that's gone too far, if this is something that he's done before. Uh, Yeah, I will say my interpretation in the play, it's always he's joking around. And when Veronica accidentally grabs the murder cup, he because he tries to stop her and then he says, oh, never mind. It seems like a kind of scared serendipity, like, well, the universe is making this choice. Let's see what's happened. Well, I don't that think happens he... in the movie, too, yeah. which I thought was interesting because movie yeah. JD definitely seems like he's done this before. Um, oh, see, I didn't think so. I didn't think because I don't think he would have hesitated if he'd done it before. But maybe he just had hadn't decided that that's what he wanted to do here with her. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, coming up with a suicide note, it seems like he's done it before, I thought, in the movie. So the musical does a very fun thing, partly based on just, again, how how stage shows are different than, than film. But as their murder count grows, all of the murdered characters continue showing up as ghosts and sing songs and interact in Veronica's mind. And I just think that's really fun. I find myself missing it watching the film. But the film's not really interested in in giving any kind of real moral struggle as strongly. I mean, it's in the movie, JD is a drug that Veronica knows she should say no to, but she's drawn into his kisses and then murders along with him because she really likes it. And eventually she like kicks the habit as opposed to it being kind of this emotional relationship and and a journey that way. You guys don't tip cows. It really hurts the cows. And this was, I don't know if this was one of the first, but in the 80s, cow tipping was such a thing in movies. And it led to a bunch of, like, injured and murdered cows across the country. That's very sad. It is sad. 
the date rape scene in the play is better. <laughs> That's a terrible sentence. Uh, and I don't... I mean, it's not better because the song Blue is problematic. But in the film, it's not even really addressed. Veronica begrudgingly goes on a double date with one of the Heathers and two football players. And then you kind of, the film for a laugh scrolls past one of the Heathers kind of like physically trying to fight off no she's totally getting date raped like that is yeah it's hella rapey she keeps moving her arms and he keeps holding them down they end up at weird angles to each other but that's just sort of like happening in the background of a scene where we're really watching veronica go off with jd yeah yeah so it's gross in the play at least how this date happens is veronica gets a call from one of the heathers saying hey i'm trapped at the cemetery come help me from these guys and then she shows up and you find out that the heathers have offered veronica basically as a sacrifice to the horny boys that they can't control which is like the girls lock themselves in a car and leave veronica out there with the boys and then they sing this blue ball song which is polarizing and problematic because it is a catchy hilarious song for sexual assault (laughs) Which maybe shouldn't have a catchy, hilarious song. You make my balls so blue. You hurt them badly. You make my balls so blue. They're hanging sadly. What did they do to you that you hate them so? Don't run from me. They're all beat up like a tackling dummy. Yeah, for the... Uh... The revised version, the 101 high schooler version, they replaced that song with a song called You're Welcome that really makes it more clear how creepy the situation is. The lyrics are essentially like, you used to be a nerd, but now we see that you're popular and you're so hot that we can't help wanting to, you know, have sex with you. And you're welcome for our attention. super creepy and it highlights that wrongness. Yeah, and they had this the same writers who did the musical did the high school adaptation and they they've spoken a lot when they were interviewed with Playbill and others that they were excited to have a chance to write a new song because the song Blue didn't hit it right. Now it's this song where, you know, you know we can't control ourselves when you look that hot. We can't be blamed for the ogling and the mauling and the writers like that's a horrible thing. But it's- just to go back to the movie scene again, like And what a creepy weirdo stalker JD is. He climbs in her window randomly when they had very few interactions. They still have had very few interactions at this point when she goes on this double date. She's in the middle of a field. Like, they went cow tipping the Heather and these two boys and her. And now Heather is getting date raped and Veronica is just, like, leaving the area. But she's still wandering around in the fucking countryside wilderness. And JD appears over the top of a ridge like a creepy fucking stalker. And then she leaves with him. Yeah. Like, in the play, J.D.'s motivation for choosing to murder the football guys is directly related to this. After this double date where Veronica says no thank you, they spread all of these rumors that Veronica had sex with both of them at school, which makes Veronica cry and then J.D. looking to get revenge for, you know, they hurt someone that he likes. Go on and cry. But when the morning comes, we'll burn it down and then we'll build the world again. Our love is God. In the movie, 
it's not really i mean that's why he can that's how he's able to enlist veronica into it but we see him in a much earlier scene watch the football players beat up a nerd and he just kind of looks like yeah those people should be dead so it was just just adding to his kill list yeah yeah one thing i thought was nice though for the um oh i guess <laughs> maybe i should save it for positivity corner we will say it go ahead and say it so for killing the football players, he tells Veronica that they're going to use these special bullets that his grandpa scored in World War II that the Nazis had used to fake their own suicides. And he says, do you take German? And she says no. And then he tells her that they're called Iklug bullets, which means I lie in German. Right. Uh, and in the play, they just took out that do you take German line. And I think that is funny. And also, I didn't. I, I took fucking Spanish. So I don't know what the hell you're saying when you say those <laughs> words. And that would at least have clued me in. Yeah, I agree. That, that was better in the in the movie for sure so dear early 80s your gay references are problematic yeah um i guess one step before we get to that veronica in the movie is way more culpable in the murders i mean he does say a line about how these special bullets will break skin and knock people out but i think there's definitely wiggle room as to whether she really knew she was murdering someone when she pulls the gun yeah. and kills the second football player it's definitely ambiguous because like at that point jd shoots the first football player the second one runs jd chases him all around he cycles back around where veronica is and jd's like fire and she shoots him but she's had a lot of time to like see the first dead body a dead body yeah and in the musical you see that she's like oh god ram you're just asleep right don't be dead and so she doesn't kill the second one jd kills both of them she freaks out going oh god what have we done and then he pulls her back in by singing a song about how great their love is and the world's going to be better baby again we don't have any emotional journey really other than just lust and murder in the film but so they the the suicide note for the football players they leave is that they've killed each other because they had to hide their their gay forbidden love from a misapproving world the props in the movie that jd leaves to sell this story were a porno magazine, a Joan Crawford postcard, mascara and lipstick, a candy dish, which looked like a small box of chocolates. And I don't get that reference. I guess I'm too young. Did only gay guys eat boxes of chocolates back then? Was, I mean, straight guys sure didn't. Was candy dish a slang? I don't, I don't know there. And then I will say, and then he's also a bottled mineral water. That one I think is still kind of funny because the mineral water joke is not making fun of the gay guys it's making fun of ohio right all right now here's the one perfecto thing i picked up mineral water oh come on a lot of people drink mineral water it's come a long way yeah but this is ohio i mean if you don't have a brewski in your hand you might as well be wearing a dress yeah it's it's interesting like we have been saying movie jd definitely seems like he just likes killing people he does, I mean, I guess you can look at who it is that he's choosing to kill and say that maybe he is making some kind of moral choice about who should live and who should die. Like, after they kill the two people and Veronica's freaking out in the car, he says, Football season is over, Veronica. Kurt and Ram had nothing to offer the school but date rapes and AIDS jokes. And so, like, it's okay to kill them because football season is over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could maybe make that argument, except... That he then, in the movie, is instrumental in creating the next lead Heather. 
He gives her the red scrunchie. He gives her a pep talk about, you have power. You should rule the school now. Yeah. In the play. Yeah, no, he's just a sociopath on a power trip. Yeah, because in the play, that power vacuum naturally is filled and he keeps picking off, quote unquote, deserving people to die. Whereas in the movie, he's creating the next evil bitch yeah. to then murder. So he doesn't really care that much. Also, that whole fight scene in the car is so gross. It's I mean, it's just so gross. It's just it's just not a healthy relationship. I mean, Veronica. I mean, yeah, she burns herself and he neither of them are a healthy of relationship. No, but no. But the movie one is I don't know. It's not like you can say that the relationship in the play is good. And so it's weird that people keep romanticizing <laughs> it. And that we keep holding it up as an example of something good, because to be completely explicit, it's really not a good or healthy relationship. But you can make an argument that there is at least an emotion behind it for both of them, even if they express their love in super toxic and unhealthy ways. Yes, and there's times when they're not, and they try to bring it back. I mean, that We Can Be 17 song is Veronica being like, hey, people hurt us or they vanish, and you're right, it really blows. But we let go, take a deep breath, and go buy some summer clothes. We'll go camping, play some poker, and we'll eat some chili fries. Maybe prom night, maybe dancing. Don't stop looking in my eyes. Whoa, we have gone way too far. I'm not cool with this. Let's just bake brownies and go to the movies and just be kids. We recognize that there is evil in the world, but we don't have to, we're not in charge of personally murdering and purging the evil. And JD initially says yes. But he likes killing people too much. Yeah. Well, that's a change in the musical too. Because in the movie, he just, he absolutely just likes killing too much. You know, when he shows up to essentially murder her. In the play, he's showing up with murdering her as his fallback plan. But his first plan is to hopefully convince her to come. He's like, hey, we're going to blow up the school and then we'll make s'mores over the the ashes of our classmates. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that scene is so creepy. Yes. In both of them, but even yes. in the play, especially because you kind of like JD in the play more yes. and you want to believe in him. You want to believe in his goodness. And so she, Veronica breaks up with him. Uh, after he starts talking about killing more people, after they've had that moment where they're like, we're not going to do this anymore. We're damaged, really damaged, but that does not make us wise. We're not special. We're not different. We don't choose who lives or dies. And she's like, you know what? You are too broken. We can't be together. She goes back to her house and finds out that JD has been there and has sown the seeds that she is suicidal to her parents mm-hmm. as a cover for, you know, presumably murdering her. And so there's, I mean, it's very frightening when he shows up yes yes and he very clearly states in the musical his motivations he's like you left me and i fell apart i punched the wall and cried bam 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 then i found you changed my heart and set loose all that truth bullshit inside and so i built a bomb tonight our school is vietnam let's guarantee they never see their senior hey when you broke up it hurt me and I don't like, you know, like a bad, bad emotion, bad pain, lash out with violence. But then I realized that it's actually, it's the other high school students are the thing keeping you away from me. So if I murder all of the high school students, then we can live happily ever right. after. Then I don't have to murder you. Right. And so it's, it's not okay. For, again, we're not being like, oh, this is a, this is a great reason, but it's a reason beyond just being a sociopath. Yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he's... 
he's a more interesting sociopath yes. anyway, yes. right? Like, he struggles with these things and he tries to find, you know, just like as a character, like watching somebody, I mean, Teenage Christian Slater is hot and he's got those eyebrows, but that's really all that he brings <laughs> to that character. He's just flat, you know, like, yeah. and musical JD has these rationalizations and these struggles and like he's trying to like become somebody that he isn't and like it's it's just a more interesting like character arc to watch yes yeah and back and 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 also characters have arcs in the play right well like in the movie when she dumps him he once again assaults her like he grabs her and pins her down and is trying to kiss her to keep her there and she's physically fighting him off and then she's like screw you we're done and it's just so it's gross yeah Oh, so there's a scene in the movie that doesn't happen in the musical that I think is supposed to be redemptive for Veronica, but movie Veronica is just still not sympathetic. She's just not as awful as JD. She invites her former nerdy friend Betty over to play croquet. And Veronica's kind of a shitty friend still throughout the whole scene. Betty keeps trying to talk about her feelings and what's happened between them. You know, I know I'm not as exciting as your other friends. And Veronica's responses are always just shoot the ball with a little smile. Like she's not actually interested in having a conversation with her friend or talking about her friend's hurt or where things are or why she ditched her. But Veronica then chooses not to knock Betty's ball out and take the two shots instead. And Betty says, This guy's finished last. I should know. And so then Veronica changes her mind and knocks Betty's ball out. So much for learning your lessons and changing your behavior. And then as soon as the other Heathers show up, Betty is instantly justifiably worried and says, I've got to go home. And Veronica just gives a little sad smile and says, okay, bye. She's not willing to actually emotionally engage with her, change her behaviors, or stand up in Betty's defense to the other Heathers at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm willing to kind of be your friend on the down low when the popular kids aren't watching. Yeah. That's gross. That sucks, Betty. I'm so sorry. Right. Yeah. So just talking about things having character arcs, the movie, it seems like is just a chaos of plot points. Like, there are a lot of things that happen, but it's not very tight or connected. In the play, things happen for a reason, right? Like, there are three Heathers and they all have personalities in the play like the green heather gets shit on by the other heathers a lot and she gets made fun of and then when the red heather dies the green heather becomes the one who like takes power and becomes the queen bitch and that's more interesting just sort of like you wouldn't expect that because she seemed like the vulnerable one or whatever and like the yellow heather is always like super insecure like veronica sacrifices her best friend for popularity she sacrifices her popularity out of guilt and shame you know she seizes a sexual relationship that she wants in her moment of panic the heathers go on their own journey like all three of them you know even i mean okay so but let's talk about martha because i it's nice that she is a character like that they combined those two roles and like made her a best friend that gives veronica things to do but aren't we still just like making fun of her the entire movie or the entire play I don't know. It's tough. It Maybe. I mean, she is the, you know, because she's the, the crime of being fat makes but, her an object of derision. But she's also pathetic. It's not just that she's fat. She's obsessed with her kindergarten boyfriend. There was a boy I met in kindergarten. He was sweet. He said that I was smart. He was good at sports and people liked him. And at nap time once we shared a mat. 
and like dreaming about them riding off on a Pegasus together and having a nap for all eternity. I love that song so much. It's so funny and sweet. I think she's she's just the metaphor for like innocence and she's a sucker for happy endings. And then at the end she gets kind of broken and she's like, there aren't any happy endings. The world is meaningless. And Veronica's the one who's trying to be like, look, I can't promise that there won't be more Heathers in the world, but we can try to be nice to each other right now. Yeah. I'm not saying she's perfect, but I, I don't know. I don't think that I, I guess I just, I don't agree there. Okay. I wish they'd given her something more real than just, I'm obsessed with that one time in kindergarten that I slept on the same mat at nap time with this boy. And so I will never get over being in love with this boy. And I'm just going to sacrifice my entire life to that kindergarten crush. The Shannon Doherty, I guess the green Heather in the movie has some interesting little bits, but again, the movie is just these little series of vignettes rather than a plot because, you know, she is the bulimic one. But then as soon as, as Red Heather is dead, you see her eating chicken happily in the fried chicken and you see that she's just happier, which I thought they would pursue, but they don't really. But in the scene where JD blackmails her from showing some embarrassing childhood photos, I don't know, it's more interesting because he's giving this manipulative motivational speech about how she's the leader the school needs right now. But then he's the one who gifts her with the red scrunchie and manipulating her into the power. And I really do like it in the musical that she's the one who takes the crown and moves on herself. She doesn't mm-hmm. need him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it just goes back to that whole that JD, he's saying everyone is evil, so they must die. That's his thesis. But that's not it. It's everyone has the potential for evil and must die, especially after I've nurtured that evil into fruition and then want to turn around and murder them. You know, talking about Miss Fleming. I mean, that song's terrible, but like the high school counselor or whatever who has her like bring everybody together for a healing moment in the gym thing. And like when she's trying to get everybody going, she's like, I'll start with my confession. And she like confesses to having an affair with this other teacher presumably and is like the affair is over and by the way i faked it every single time and that just always bothered me as like why is that supposed to be an insult like you lied to somebody about what it is that you liked and so they never gave you what you liked like (laughs) that does always i you know if you had to fake it in a one night stand to get out of there okay i guess but yeah, if you're in a long-term relationship and you're faking it, you're not doing yourself any favors. And, and you're also not that's not like, him like Lily Allen, one of her breakup songs is like this dude left her. And so she's like trying to say all these cutting things. Oh, I, how would it make you feel if I said you never made me come? In the year and a half that we spent together, yeah, I never really had much fun. And it's like, if he doesn't know after the end of like your two-year relationship that he never made you come, that's on you. Yeah, it's on both of you. For sure. Him for not knowing, but you for not saying something. Well, or she either wasn't saying anything or, or she was lying about it. Right, right. But anyway, so that uh-huh. is just all I have to say about Miss Fleming. In the movie, she passes around a photocopy of the suicide note, and then they have this hand-holding photo op in the cafeteria. But in the musical, she guides the children in this thing. Come and confess your secrets, and if we all share our ugly, dark scars to everyone, then things will be great. Which is terrible advice, obviously. And... You know, the yellow cheerleader Heather gets up and does this, and then the teacher fails to intervene or protect her as the entire student body starts to mock her and turn on her. I like that with the overall theme, again, that adults don't get it, and the kids are having to deal with these things on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, in the movie, Heather had just called into a radio show, and the other people made fun of it. 
<laughs> Veronica stopping the Yellow Heather's suicide attempt in the film is way violent. Like, she grabs her, forces her mouth open, like, bangs her against the wall. Because movie Veronica is not nearly as empathetic. Well, like, movie Veronica, so in that scene where JD's coming over to her house to presumably kill her, she escapes that by have, by pretending to have killed herself already. And then JD leaves and her mom comes in and sees her hanging. Uh, oh, from a noose. Thinks yeah. that she's dead. And in the play, she gets down right away and is like, I'm so sorry. It was just a joke. And her mom's like, it's not funny. Uh, and in the movie, Veronica barely reacts. Like her mom comes in and freaks out. She takes a long time to open her eyes. Right? And then when she does, she's just like, hey, mom, why so tense? Like, hey, mom, why so tense? Yeah, they just play it for this laugh line. And yeah, yeah, she's she's no concern for her mother's feelings. So in the final fight in the boiler room, mm-hmm. as Veronica's trying to stop JD from planting and exploding the bombs to kill the entire school. In the movie, holy crap, sociopath. He is so dispassionately violent as yeah. he grabs her and slams her head against oh, his yeah. knee. And he's just this emotionless, nihilistic dude. In the play at the end, JD grabs some of the bomb and takes it outside the school to blow himself up as sort of a redemptive act. I mean, it's maybe a little strong, but in a changed mind or effort to help remove the bomb from the school. Please stand back now, little further. Don't know what this thing will do. Hope you miss me, wish you'd kiss me, then you'd know I worship you. I'll trade my life for yours, and once I disappear, clean up the mess down Our love is God. Whereas in the movie, it's more this weird passing of the torch. Like he tells Veronica, you've got more, you've got more power than I knew, and then concedes his loss. Also in the movie, Veronica had shot him a bunch. So it was unlikely he was going to make it regardless. So he just takes the bomb outside. But in his grand exit in the film, it's just not as required as in the musical. In the play, Veronica's saying, wait, hold on, not this way. There's still that imagined possible future that there's something. Right. She still wants to find a way. Exactly. He's like, no, no, please stand back a little further because I don't know how far this bomb is going to explode. It's pretty sad. It is. It's a really sweet, tender moment. Because he's so broken and this is the only way. So broken. I mean, like. But he loves her. Okay, you don't want me to blow up the school, so I won't blow up the school. But this thing has to go off and I don't want you to get hurt. I don't know how to fuse it, so I will carry this suicide bomb outside. Whereas in the movie, she's the, again, this, she also is dispassionate, this badass. She prepares a cigarette that she can light from the explosion. Well, like movie JD is wearing a bomb vest. Oh yeah. Yeah. So right. like she, she wins the fight. He tells her how to defuse the bomb. Like she shoots oh, him a bunch cre- of times. Yeah, you're right. He's um, not just taking that bomb. Yeah. But like he does choose to kill himself. He like sets the timer for 45 seconds and then walks away. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But still like their whole relationship is emotionless. Yeah, and then it just ends with Veronica going into the school where she sees Martha in her little wheelie wheelchair because Martha had a failed suicide attempt and broke a bunch of bones. And in the movie, you know, they weren't friends ever before. And she's just like, hey, you want to go see a movie? Yeah. And it's like, okay. And you're like, oh, see, now she's nice because she's friends friendly to a fat person. Yeah. And I don't believe that this Veronica, I mean, she does take the red scrunchie away. And she's like, we're done. She does, but she's she isn't really... <laughs> different <laughs> yeah. than she ever was yeah 
Whereas in the musical, she's like, hey, guys, we are done with acting evil. Yeah. This is bullshit. We are laying our weapons down. The world might have more Heathers and bullies, but we are just going to be kids and we're going to be nice to each other. God damn it. Yeah. Although I will say that um, movie JD blowing himself up at the end he's wearing the bomb vest and they're the only two people outside the school because everyone's inside for the pep rally he's like looking at her and she's looking at him and it just made me think of mad max fury road like witness me right like he wants (laughs) someone to see his ending (laughs) yep do you want to do positivity corner um, we didn't want to be a bunch of negative Nellies. Or Debbie Downers. Or Criticism Christinas. Yay. I mean, okay, so... Like, what was the point of the movie, right? Like, it was the anti-John Hughes film for people who are outsiders and weirdos. It lets you indulge these... It's subversive, revenge mm-hmm. fantasy thing, a la horrible bosses. What would happen if you just indulged these instincts? And it's, you know, cool to make weird cinema and, like, take risks. I love that it got made somehow. Yeah. That the studio gave it gave the money to make this insane, weird, dark, hilarious, inappropriate film. And I guess it was a flop, but it continued to run on cable and created this cult classic following. I can't believe that the studios let it be made. Although I did find that in the original screenplay, JD does blow up the school and it ends at a prom in heaven. (laughs) But the studio said no to that part. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) Right? The movie was genre defining and has been recreated in so many ways over the the following decades. Jawbreakers, Mean Girls. I mean, it's just, it's this swear heavy beast that really resonated watching it recently i really liked the sound editing and the sound cues they use some really fun music cues to accompany different character actions and it's so damn quotable mm-hmm. dear diary my teen angst bullshit has a body count you know and some of the character archetypes that it built and played on and redefined the cool loner trench coat kid and and all of that yeah and I I don't know if it started the sort of quirky girl lead thing with her monocle and her different fashion choices, but I appreciate at least that Veronica isn't overwhelmed with her quirkiness as some later characters are, and she's not quite a manic pixie dream girl. People need to quit hating on manic pixie dream girls. They use that to throw that out for like just In a the lot of hate for weirdos. In the same way they throw out Mary Sue or whatever. Right. It's just become, yeah. Right. It pisses me off. Some people are just genuinely weirdos. Right. You don't hate on them for that. But so often. It, I mean, what it's meant it's, when you like, where that yeah. term comes from is like something that takes the person out of it, right? Like yeah. whatever, 100 Days of Summer, whatever that movie was. Mm-hmm. Like when you're not seeing the person, when you're just seeing this ideal, that's what that's really meant to define. And that is legit. But it gets thrown around for all kinds of things where it's just a person with their own weird characteristics and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Christian Bale's eyebrows. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've noticed other. I was gonna say Lee Pace is kind of the only eyebrow that <laughs> heavy focus that I've made. I mean, young Christian Bale is dreamy, but I don't know that I've paid attention to. Um, How could you not? His eyebrows. Apparently, apparently, I was missing out. <laughs> My YM magazine from like the '90s, where they interviewed him. He was talking about his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So made a point. Oh, so he was aware of it. So yeah, that's, oh, so it's okay. a thing. It's not just me. Uh-huh. I love it. It was enough of a thing that it got brought it. up in his interview with Young and Modern Magazine. 
so the screenwriter of the film, Daniel Waters, was talking about the movie's reception and how people in their 20s and their early 30s responded to it right away. But it was really 50-50 with teenagers. And it's the only movie I know that people really liked, but the first time they saw it, they often hated it. Mm. And he said, the truth in that seems to be, it's harder to respond to a movie that treats the life or death drama of being a teenager as its main joke when you are a teenager. But they said those who were teens who'd heard it was cool or had older siblings who told them it was mm. cool went in going, oh, this is cool. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have more things? Um, No, I'm just still thinking about the Martha Dunstock thing and that song. And like, I am glad that you like it and that it resonated for you. I hate it. And I was wondering if maybe like, because I don't see how you have a song like that where she's just like, before she attempts to kill herself because she found out that the note from Ram was a lie she sings this song that's essentially like this is my kindergarten boyfriend and maybe in heaven we'll be together on a pegasus and we'll have nap time that lasts a million years last night i dreamed a horse with wings flew down into my homeroom on its back there he So we sailed above the gym, across the faculty parking lot, my kindergarten boyfriend and I, and a horse with wings. And I don't see how that song isn't making fun of that character. I don't see how we as the audience are supposed to watch that and not like mock her for her ideals and so maybe that's like i I don't know i think you're bringing that in i mean it is it is silly but i can empathize with her misguided sweetness rather than laughing at her for her misguided sweetness Mm. and so i guess that's really it's just where you're coming at it well i was just thinking that maybe it can be interpreted as like teenagers make bad choices and like want the wrong things and so therefore especially like if you have some righteous avenging angels but no she's made it very clear i mean it's tied into you know i mean this is it's obviously silly to still be pining after your kindergarten boyfriend but i think that's the only boyfriend she's ever had uh, very clearly right and she's like certain boys are just for kindergarten certain girls are meant to be alone yeah it's not just, oh, I loved this boy when I was six, but it's like, it's the only boy who ever loved me. It was when I was six. Therefore, there's no point. Yeah. Um, Life is long, guys. Yeah, hang in there. We should in- we should find the national suicide number. We'll insert it here. <laughs> trigger warning. Just not even just trigger warning. Just. Yeah, it's whatever. Just High hang- school's rough. Life is rough. Life but, is hard, but, you know, it'll be okay. Then it keeps going and it gets better. Oh, yeah, it gets better. Also, high school boys are terrible. <laughs> Don't pine for them. Oh, my God. Right. Just yeah. kidding. Sorry, anyone who is a high school boy and listening to our podcast, in which case well, you're clearly cooler than your... Right. Uh, if you're your, the high school boy listening to us, yours, you're, you're the exception. You're the one. And you also know that a lot of the dudes are being awful. Uh, we should stop now. Okay. <laughs> People agree with us. People agree with us. Dan Waters, who wrote the movie, has been really involved 
in the production of the play. And he'd said that what the play accomplished in their final draft was closer to what he had hoped to accomplish in the movie. That's cool. Yeah, that's a nice little thing. Winona Ryder was really concerned to go see it uh, because the movie was really dear to her. It's what had really jump-started her entire career. But when she did come, she was really overwhelmed and really happy. And the people in the play were over the moon that she loved it so much. And she was crying and hung out with them afterwards. Yeah, I saw an article where Christian Slater saw it too and was oh, into good. it. So this is by Robert Hoffler at TheRap.com called Heather's the Musical Theater Review, Singing and Killing People All the Way to the Prom. It says, the 1988 movie Heathers was prescient in its send-up of teenage bullying and mass murder, but revisiting it today, the cult classic is an unfunny affair, in part because it was so prescient. Today, high school students bump each other off on a near-weekly basis, harsh, but the Mm. truth be told, Daniel Waters' original screenplay is a witless affair. Heathers the Musical, the new off-Broadway show, blah blah blah, can't be prescient, but it somehow does manage to be a hell of a lot funnier than its source material. Being a stage musical, a very, very broad stage musical, helps make the mass murder go down more easily. Being a musical makes certain elements of the dark story really click, especially the three Heathers who seem to be operating as one revved up engine working overtime on all three cylinders. Yeah. So Ronnie Reich, the NewJersey.com, did a big interview with some of the authors when this was coming out on Broadway to talk about the plays. And so Murphy, the writer was saying, the thing I really liked about it is the idea of taking this incredibly nihilistic, bleak, primal scream of a movie of adolescent rage, taking the themes of hope and optimism that are actually in the movie a little bit, but opening them up. The trick was to figure out how the love stories would work. And that meant creating a viable path for Veronica and JD to unite mm-hmm. with Veronica as the every man or every woman. But uh, the writer Murphy thinks JD's the most compelling. He's the most broken. The psychology of someone who is a monster understands that they are a monster and has to struggle with being a monster. It's fascinating. Yeah. I was most anxious to get inside his head because once you understood him, all Veronica has to do is fall in love with him. He talks about writing the song Our Love is God. I worship you. I'd trade my life for yours. They all will disappear. We'll plant our garden here. Our love is God. Our love is God. Our love is God. Our love is God. It's a touchstone and an emblem of that teenage feeling of being a bit like Romeo and Juliet with the rest of the world against them. Mm-hmm. But then again, before JD even finishes singing about how much he loves Veronica, there's a murder scene meant to inspire laughter and then guilt at having laughed. We can start and finish wars. We're what killed the dinosaurs. We're the asteroid that's overdue. The dinosaurs choked on the dust. They died because God said they must. The new world needed room for me and you. And walking that tightrope of a tone is really hard. But when it works, it's delicious and awesome, and it's fun to watch the audience go through that. Um, Apparently, there was a production happening in Orlando that opened, like, a few weeks after the Pulse nightclub shooting. Hmm. Right, that everyone was like, yikes. But actually, all three of the Florida uh, papers that I read about it were all really positive. They said that it, you know, it has a much bigger heart than the film that inspired it, offering a few genuinely moving moments amid its ironic over-the-top view of high school. 
It's a dark satire taking on bullies and creeps who wield their power cruelly, as well as our American preoccupation with violence to solve our problems. So that's a very definite post-mass shooting interpretation, but mm-hmm. I think those themes hold. Yeah. Okay, from Huffington Post, Heather's the Musical is not Heather's the Movie, but it's still pretty very, by Lauren Duca and Stephanie Marcus. The musical provides a backstory for Veronica's friendship with the Heathers. We meet Veronica as a nobody. She's lost in a sea of comically intense hazing, but then her penchant for forgery brings her into the Heathers' good graces. It's not major difference from the film, which simply highlights Heather Chandler taking advantage of the skill, but it emphasizes the fragility of Veronica's precarious position in the group and general willingness to be used. And that's fitting for the more innocent version of Veronica we see on stage. Veronica of the musical is decidedly more innocent than Winona Ryder's iteration of the character. As the casting call put it, she burns to be both cool and kind, but doesn't yet know how to be both at the same time. She thinks she's an old soul, but she's still innocent enough to be blindsided by love slash hormones or shocked by cruelty. Yeah. Over the course of the show, there's an enduring element of desperation not featured in the film version, which shifts the narrative to allow for Veronica's coming of age in face of her pre-existing desperation. Yeah. This is a bit that Reagan's going to disagree with. 13. In the movie, I think Martha isn't very likable, whereas in the show, they have made her like the most plumbing, adorable, truthful, relatable, wonderful character. And I love her a lot. The same Huffington Post article says that Martha Dunstock in the musical is a fully developed character who sings a kick-ass ballad about kindergarten nap time. In the film, Veronica's interaction with Martha is limited to a fleeting cafeteria prank. But in the musical, Martha is positioned as Veronica's lifelong best friend. She becomes a symbol of the ramifications of bullying, providing meaning to the toxicity we see in the film. Also, Martha belts out an entire song about wishing we could go back to kindergarten, and it is no wishy-washy glee-type ballad, but a touching yet tongue-in-cheek representation of what it's like to be left out of the big fun. That's nice. So, instead of people agree with us, people agree with crazy. (laughs) (laughs) From SouthFlorida.com, Heather's the Musical Doesn't Play It Safe by Christine Dolan. She says, thanks to its strong score, deeper character development, and a big embrace of the world of social media, Heather's the Musical has gone on to have a solid post-New York life. From the writer, the original movie was very distancing. Anyone who makes a human connection gets it knocked out of them. Musicals, Murphy notes, are about feelings and internal monologues expressed in song. Distancing doesn't work. So from the bullies to the bullied, deeper motivation was key to making Heather's the Musical a success. We had to get inside the heads of each of these kids and figure out who they are. And that really showed up on the stage. Yeah. So I think we talked about the high school version, which we saw not entirely, but the like full on high school version removes the eating disorder. It removes any of the explicit sexual acts. So did we figure out what did they, I mean, we had the halfway high school version that we saw. They did You're Welcome rather than the Blue Ball song. And they removed the reference to the pill because apparently unprotected sex is cool. But if you're not going to get pregnant, then teenagers can't know about it. That you lost the line. I'm hot and pissed and on the pill. But then they still had sex in our version. (laughs) Yeah, that was dumb. Oh, so when we had first a few months ago talked about doing this one, there was going to be that Heather's TV show on the Hulu network that, you know, people have been talking about for for months and people had mixed feelings. And it had, I believe, a transgender character as one of the Heathers. Yeah. And some real diversity, which everyone went, okay, but if these are going to be your only diverse characters and they're monsters and they get murdered, 
that's maybe not going to be great. And that was supposed to come out and got pulled, I think, because of the Parkland shooting. Hmm. Is the reason that they said they've pulled it. But all the media that I found who had seen it said it's just flat out terrible. Oh. They said it's boring. It's not redemptive. Good then. A, a good that it got of the A few of the actors are good, but the scripts are bad. So. Yeah. You can't do that show if you're not going to do it well. Like. Yeah. Let's not have any more high school murder fantasies, please. For real. Especially if you're high school murder fantasying underrepresentative minority groups. <laughs> like, that just feels extra unnecessary. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think Hulu or whoever may end up never releasing it, which might be the right choice if it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if if you love the movie, that's fine. Uh, yeah. I'm not... This this was way less... This thing is terrible. It's just... Yeah, it's not that the movie... didn't age as well. Right. Right. The movie is still what it has always been. It's just that seeing this same story told in this new way was so much more watchable and felt so much more powerful and meaningful and so then being like oh like it just yeah yeah i i do i find myself singing a few of the songs it's it's on my list of my go-to cast recordings when i need a happy road trip song that nobody else has heard of along with gutenberg the musical and scarlet pimpernel it's sort of like the threesome of like unknown musicals that that i rotate through also the producers have put the entire cast recording on youtube so you don't even have to like listen to a pirated uploaded version you can just go to heather's the musicals youtube channel and listen to the whole thing oh that's nice of them maybe they have a version of you're welcome no i would have shown up in my search results i was trying to find we'll probably include the audio anyways so maybe we'll just cut this out but anyways the only audio i could find of that was like people recording their own productions and so you can't hear it very well and the other (laughs) so they sing you're welcome instead of the blue ball song and instead of the gross sexual rumors being that you know veronica had a sword fight in her mouth and in one of the stage productions reagan and i saw the cafeteria kids were all eating hot dogs and all took the hot dog weenies out and started throwing them at veronica and jd which is rough and then inspires the like let's murder the quarterbacks thing but in the in the high school version everyone's calling her a chainsaw as the insult because they're not gonna say slut because that's an awful word and they're not they can't make explicit references to sex so in the world of Re- Westerberg High School and, and in reference to the, well, fuck me with a chainsaw line. Mm-hmm. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. You're right. I forgot there's an important adverb there. I mean, if you're going to use a chainsaw, <laughs> I guess the gentle part is important. I oh, mean, I think it's most important. Anyways, okay, we'll stop. We'll stop. We'll stop. It's fine. Um, yeah, but so they also change. So JD gets beaten up in in that scene afterwards in the high school version because they can't be quite so explicit sexually. And so then it's a little more of a direct revenge fantasy rather than him mm. revenging to protect Veronica, who is the only person he's cared about. Because the whole song is about how he's always having to move high schools with his dad and he never gets close to anybody. Forget who you are, unburden your load. Forget in six weeks, you'll be back on the road. When the voice in your head says you're better off dead, don't Just freeze your brain. And he uses the brain freeze of the slushy. That was his that was his version of, you know, self-harm. Until he turned to murder 
If only he could have other people just stayed with with Slurpees. What a beautiful world that would have been. So 7-Eleven, you can send our free coupons uh, (laughs) at wrongpod on Twitter or wrongpod at gmail.com. Yep. Yeah. Hey, guys, I know it's been a while, but we did a thing. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Oh, we'll be back probably sometime in the future to talk about everything everything that's that's wrong wrong with with something else. else. But you know what? Even if people don't agree with us, we're still right. People do agree with us.